cross, your victory. Amen. Thank you for the old rugged cross. I trust in the cross, the victory of the cross. So welcome Gap Hill family and welcome those on Facebook. It's family day. And Denver and I are excited to be here that you are here. Denver is one of our students in the children's church in the junior department. And he is going to open up the day with the scripture for us. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ did for us. Ephesians 5, 2. Good job, Denver. Good job. That's my main man right there. I asked him if he was going to do it, little man, and he said, I'm a little man. I'm a big man. I'm five years old. So. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to the Gatfield Church of God today. We're excited to be here, and today is Family Day. I love Family Day because we get to see our kids. They sing. Uh, Denver obviously comes up and reads the scripture for us. I love it. It's beautiful. This is the church, and uh, we don't want to wait until we're gone to use them. We want to use them now. Amen. Hallelujah. I got a feeling there's some grandmas and grandpas out there that want to see their kids being used now. They don't want to wait until they're in the grave. That's right. And so today we're going to open in a word of prayer and bless this service. God's going to do some great things, all right? Father, today we welcome you into this house. We thank you for every age that's represented today, whether they're young, whether they're older. Father, we thank you. It's good to be in your house. We pray today that your spirit would fill the house. It's, if you're not here, then there's no need in us even being here. But we know that you're here. We feel your presence. We know that you have come taking your time today out of your busy schedule to come and to be in our midst. So help us to take time today to worship you, to lift up your name because you, in fact, are worthy of all the praise, of all the glory, of all the honor in the name of Jesus. Let everything done and said be for your glory. Somebody shout amen. amen. So guys, yes man, amen. You can give God praise. Go ahead. Somebody wants to. That's great. Thank you, Denver. Back to School Promotion Sunday will be August the 6th. Many of you have already moved up. Your teachers have helped you with that. But if you haven't yet and you're moving to 6th grade, you'll be going to the youth uh, area with, with Hillary and Dylan, uh, which are the parents of this fine young man that just read this scripture today. Also, preparing for baptism, I'm going to announce a date, Lord willing, next week for our baptism. I've got several people that have been wanting to be baptized, and so we're going to set that. And when we set it, I'm not going to do a sign-up sheet or anything. I'm actually just going to ask you to be here, bring a change of clothes, unless you want to go home wet. I don't care. But if you want to change, bring a change of clothes, bring you a towel, and we're going to have a baptism that day. And so I'm excited about that. We'll be scheduling it. And Lord willing, I'll announce that to you next week after we look at the calendar for that. Pastor's Council Election Day will be August 20th, 2023. I've got several spots that have to be filled. If you would like, if you're a member and you would like to participate, feel like God's calling you to that part of the ministry of the church, see myself or Sandra here for consideration so that we can put your name down. Also, church t-shirts. Today is going to be a day of pickup only. Uh, Jennifer has, has gotten everything together. There's a table back there. They're already folded for your family. They're simply $10 each is all we're asking for those. We're going to have probably 12 or 13 in them. 
but um, we don't care about that. If you do 10, we'll be very, very happy with that. And I promise you, that's a nice shirt for 10 bucks. You won't never buy a shirt like you go to the store. That shirt's $25 easy. I promise you. They feel really, really nice. And so I think you'll be satisfied with that. We also have our new giving envelopes here. I just want to mention this really quick, and I'm going to move out of the way. I want to get announcements out of the way because we're fixing to have some good worship up in this house, folks, I'm telling you. And I don't want anything to hinder that. I want to be able to flow right, right with the spirit that's going to be moving in this house today. But as you can see, this is a typical tithe and offering envelope. But we have changed a little bit uh, on the right-hand side or far, my far left side here that I'm pointing to. If you're looking at it, it's on your right there's a mission, missions line, and underneath there's different missions you can give to if you would like to. There's MTI, which is Ministry to Israel. Many of you already do that. We've added Europe's Child to that with Don Chavis that came and spoke to us just the other Sunday. And also there's a widow's ministry there. We typically take up money there to be able to give uh, Christmas gifts to our widows. So you may start hearing me talk more about that as we get closer to December and the need for that to be able to bless our widows. But if you just put regular missions, this is what I want to explain to you. If you just put missions and you put $50 in that missions fund, what you're telling us is take it and use it wherever it's most needed at, all right? And then as a council, we'll, we'll divvy that money out to different ministries as needs arise. So if you want to get the general missions, that's the way it will be dealt with. If you want it to go to one of those three specific missions, then I need you to just put what you're giving to that ministry. All right. Today we're going to have new, new members joining. I'm excited. We've got like, I think, 12 or 13. I've, I've lost count. I think there's 12 here that are going to be joining today. So I'm excited about that. But we're going to do that at the close of the service. And so um, we'll be doing that and praying over them. <clears throat> I also want to go into, if you can go ahead and play, Susan. I'm going to be going into some prayer requests here that I want to mention before we go into our service any further, today it's so good to see Rosemary Addis with us, our dear sister. We love you today. Thank you for being here. We're praying for this family. Just recently lost Lewis, and uh, we had a beautiful homegoing service for him. But we're going to say a special prayer today for this family that God would be with them. Also for Blaine Bryant, which is uh, Deborah's son, Greg Ellenberg. His mother was Dottie that passed away, who was Deborah's twin, as many of you know. So Blaine and Greg need prayer. And also continued prayers for Benny Morton, who has cancer and needs a miracle in his body right now. And so I'm going to pray again. I'm going to ask God specifically for these needs. And one more time to come in our midst today. Father, we pray today for these requests that we have given in for, for the Addis family today. That you would comfort them. That you would be with them. We know that Lewis is at peace with you. We know that today. But this family, they still need to experience your peace and your love. So I'm asking you to be with them. Continue to give them the strength that they need in this hour. Touch blame, Lord, and touch Greg, who have both suffered from illnesses, strokes, that you would heal their bodies in the name of Jesus. Touch their souls today. We pray for Benny, Lord, and, and for George Latour, both that have been struggling with cancer. Members of our church, touch them in the name of Jesus. You are able to heal them. You are able to deliver them from this dreaded disease, Father. We put them in your hands, and we trust you that you're going to do what's best for them. Father, bless this service today. Let us enter into your courts with thanksgiving. Come into your presence with praise, Lord. Let us know that you are God. It is you that has made us. We're the sheep of your master. Let us give you the glory that you deserve today. In Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. 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 Good job. Let's stand together. Have you come to bless the Lord today? Come on up, young people. Let's worship together. Lord, we bless you in this place. 
Thank you so much for leading us. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, God. Sometimes all we do have is a hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, and a hallelujah is good enough. Today, I want to speak into our lives today. I don't think it matters the age. Um, here today, I think that I have a word that we can all understand. I think it's pretty simplified. I don't have any great theological revelation for you today. Uh, I've been reading a book and <clears throat> or listening to a book because that's just easier. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, whatever. I'm the only lazy reader in the house. I'm sure that's a lie. At least I'm listening. But anyhow, <laughs> and so I've been listening to this and the one thing that, that I've been hearing over and over in this book is just keep it simple. Sometimes you just need to keep it simple. You don't need to overcomplicate it. You don't need to overthink it. You need to just keep it simple. And one of the things I was reading was about church. Sometimes we overcomplicate church. Some people have 25 different pages worth of, oh, this is our mission statement. This is our vision statement. Nobody even knows what it means. Nobody knows what it says. 
You're like, my goodness, this is crazy. This is worse than the math test I took when I was in 12th grade. I just want to keep it simple today. I want to keep it very simple today. And I want to talk about worship evangelism. You heard me. Worship evangelism. A new spirit of worship. Let's go to the book of John. I'm going to read this to you. Now, now I was reading it, and, and I'm not going to read it all because it would take me time to read all of this. But Jesus basically must, must go through Samaria. He's been baptized, and Jesus um, has made him this, baptized more disciples than John, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He goes to the well of Jacob. There's a woman of Samaria there drawing water, to which Jesus looks at her. You know the story. Many of you do. says, give me to drink. In which she says, why are you asking me? I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. You're not even supposed to deal with me. You're not even supposed to be talking to me. In which he looks at her and says, if you knew the gift of God that was here today. And if you understood what was really happening right here. You would not give me drink. You would ask me for a drink. Because the water that you are going to give me, I'm going to thirst again. But the water that I'm going to give you, you shall never thirst again. The woman says, I don't have anything to draw with. The well is deep. Are you greater than Jacob? Which Jesus answered, if you drink, you'll never thirst again. There's a fountain of water that is going to spring up inside of you into everlasting life. Which the lady says, sir, just give me some of this water that I won't thirst again and have to come here to draw. Jesus goes on and tells her, says, you need to go get your husband. Uh, to which she says, I have no husband. Jesus looks at her and says, I know you don't. You've got five. The one you're with now, you're shacking up with. He's not your husband. In that, you spoke truly. The woman perceives that he's a prophet, and she starts talking about where they worship. Let's go to verse 19. So the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. But Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, but worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. He's looking for worshipers. And God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman says to him, I know the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I'm the one. At this point, the disciples marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no one said, why did, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way in, watch this, went into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I had ever did. Could this be the Christ? I want you to grab this. Then they went out of the city and they came to him. Now today I want to give you that there is a clear explanation. Put my timer on there, Chevy, so I'm not too late today. When you read this scripture, it is very clear that there is an absolute connection between the spirit of worship and the spirit of evangelism. They are connected, and I'm going to show you why. In layman's terms, when we look at the word evangelism, what does it mean? The word evangelism in simple terms, we've tagged evangelists with revival and we have a series of services. But to the church, what does evangelism mean? Evangelism is simple as this. It means leading other people to Jesus Christ. 
Now this is what I want every age to grab today, whether you are a baby, a kid, as long as you can hear pastor today, I want you to understand the most important job of the church is winning people to the kingdom of God. I want you to grab that right now. It is not how good you can sing. It is not how good you can preach. The bottom line is the most important thing that the church of Jesus Christ will ever do is win people to Jesus. It is the most important job that we have in all of this world. And anytime a church has great worship, in that church, souls are going to be coming to Christ. Souls are going to be changed. Souls are going to be getting saved in that church. But in the day and hour in which we live, many people are going to the first church of the rigor mortis. You know what rigor mortis is, don't you? That's what happens to people after they've died. It's a stiffening of the joints. Over several hours, the first three or four hours, that's what happens. Those joints begin to stiffen in the place. Rigor mortis. I'm afraid that so many times in the church of our God, and I'm not just preaching to the church of God. I'm preaching to anybody that's listening to me today. I'm telling you, we have got a spirit that has tried to come into our churches. It is a spirit of darkness. It is a spirit of the enemy. And he is trying to cause rigor mortis to set in to where we don't worship him anymore, to where we can't break loose. It's so stiff. It's so stifling when we come to church. Oh, God, help us today. There's a spirit that is coming against the church. Do you know why the spirit of the devil is coming against the spirit of worship? Because he knows worship is connected to our evangelism. I want you to watch this. This is good. And as long as we are worshiping, evangelism is going to happen and the devil is coming against us. He's trying to get us to get to a place that nobody is praising God and giving him the glory that he deserves. Nobody is excited. That is what the Spirit is trying to do in the church. Do you know what the word excited means? It means to look forward to. That's right. They, some of you, you are so excited about Clemson football. Am I preaching yet? You are so excited. You've already got your gear packed. You bought your new outfits. You already go out to the truck and you're setting up a tent in preparation. The wife walks out and says, what are you doing? I'm getting ready for tailgating. We get so excited about stuff. That quite frankly, and I'm excited too. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I'm excited about football. I don't worship it, but I enjoy it. And I'm excited to see us lose, I mean win this year. I cannot wait. I'm pumped. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a problem when we get excited about other things more than we can get excited about Jesus. I don't care if you want to go tailgating. I don't care if you buy season passes for the rest of your life. I don't care if you donate a large amount of money to the Clemson University because you want the football team to be. I don't care about any of that. But let me tell you this. If you're going to get excited about that stuff, I expect you to get excited about the God that you're serving. He's the one that made all of it possible anyhow. This word excited, or, or, or another thing that Satan is attacking is the passion about Jesus. Passionate is intense emotion. How many of you are passionate about your kids? Uh-huh. Some of you ladies in here, you're as sweet as you can be. 
Mm, you are a sweet, precious little lady. But you talk about mama's baby. And that passion will rise up inside of you. How would the God that a passion would rise up in us about Jesus? That when the world stands up against him, when the world talks about him, when the world tries to dog the pastor, and they try to dog the church, and they try to say all things in manner of evil against him, that the passion of God would rise up in you like it rises up when people talk about your kids and say, that's my Jesus. No, no, no. He ain't done me nothing but good. We've got to get passionate about him. Because if Satan can take this away from us, that means nobody's getting saved because the spirit of worship and the spirit of evangelism are connected. You cannot truly have one without the other. So when I get into John chapter 4, it is a great example. We've got Jesus, as I've already said, that's going to Samaria. He sends his disciples away to go get lunch. They were more concerned with physical bread. They wanted to go down to McDonald's and get a Big Mac, praise Jesus. Jesus, that's why he looked at him off. He said, I'm eating bread that you don't even understand anything about. Whew. I've been getting spiritual bread from my father. So y'all go and y'all get lunch. I got some spiritual bread. And while he was sitting at that well, this woman comes. She goes to draw water. Now historians tell us, and it's not fact. The Bible doesn't say it. But I speculate that this woman from Samaria, from what I'm reading, looks like many say she could have been a prostitute, right? And you may wonder why is that? Because of the reputation that she had developed. Jesus points out to her that she has had multiple husbands, right? She says it. She says it. Jesus says, and she looks at him and says, I've had five husbands, right? And the one that I'm living with now is not even my husband. And I'm going to marry him, and I'll probably leave him too, praise God. She must have got some bad men, all i got to say. But she didn't learn her lesson. She just kept on going and going and going. Number six, but then another thing that is interesting to me, and it's intriguing, is that when Jesus saved her and changed her, who did she go tell about Jesus? Did she go tell her sister friends? She went and told the men of the city with whom I think she had rapport. They knew who she was. They knew what she had done. See, it's so beautiful because I love the way that God takes people that we would cast to the side. He takes people that we would have nothing to do with. And he says, they are about to become an evangelist for me. This woman, yeah, maybe she was a prostitute. I don't know. But all that I do know is that she was as lost as anyone could be. Lost as any one of us. And you'd have thought Jesus would have started off with her and said, you know what? You should not be committing that adultery, woman. You ought to get your life right. Instead, he engaged her about a conversation about, you guessed it, worship. Let's talk about where your father's worshiped. Let me tell you about a day coming and who you're going to worship. Let me tell you what the father is seeking, who he is seeking to worship him. There is an hour coming when true worshipers, not 
false worshipers. Not just because you're emotional worshiper, but true from the heart, passionate and excited about Jesus kind of worshipers are going to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him, looking for true worshipers. Send your resume today. That's what God's saying. I need somebody that is not afraid to worship me. When he talks about worship to this woman, he captivates her heart so much. The Bible says she runs, she tells the men, she says, come. And when they went out of the city, they came to him. They left the city and they came to him. How would you like to see a city-wide evangelism break out in your community? How many of you would love to see people that come from the city to come to see Jesus. Woo! You get the church under a spirit of worship and you will have city-wide evangelism. I said we have church worship and we will have city evangelism. They cannot help but come. It was Billy Sunday that said many, many years ago, he said you catch on fire and men will come to watch you burn. There is something about worship that draws people to God because when I am lifted up, I feel like preaching today, when I am lifted up, when I am worshiped, I will draw all men unto me. Do you see the connection between worship and evangelism yet? I I can see it clearly. So the worship that Jesus talked about touched one lost sinner. Sometimes we worry about winning the masses. But Jesus told us, We don't need to worry about the masses. Leave the masses to him. You just reach the one. He did it in the story of the hundred sheep. There's 99 found. How many are lost? One little stray lamb. And Jesus showed us the importance of leaving the 99 in order to go find one lost sheep. That is exactly what he did with this lady. One lost sinner. So he found her. She gave her heart to Jesus Christ. And then she brought the whole city to him. New people reach new people. There is nothing in the world like the exuberance and the joy that comes in an individual when they decide that they are going to leave their life of sin behind and the old is gone and they are going to step into the new. There is nothing like it when that person comes to Jesus. The excitement that they have about Jesus is through the roof. And that is why they say get new blood in your church because new people are passionate, oftentimes more passionate than us that have been saved for years and years and years. It's the problem of Ephesus. 
It is those that fall out of love with Jesus Christ. And God says to us, return back to your first love. Get your worship on again. I'm telling somebody, I believe we need to understand the power of evangelism and worship and how they go together. When Jesus looked at Peter, you can read it in John 21. And he said to him, he said, Peter, I need you to go and feed my sheep. Now there's a lot of people that think, oh my goodness, the sheep is only the pasture of God. But I want you to understand that God's heart, he did not come come for the saved he came for the lost sheep he said I did not come for those that need a doctor he said I are for those that don't need a doctor he said I came for those that are sick in need of a doctor and I'm the great physician Jesus's heart it beats for the lost it is the reason that he bled. It is the reason that he died. And we've got to get this. He looks at Peter and says, you go out there and you feed my sheep. Yes, you've got to feed my church. But also, I believe he's talking about people that are wandering out there. Those lost sheep, as the story goes, that are no longer in the church. Listen, we have fed the church long enough. We have maintained, oh God help Jimmy today. We have maintained Christians long enough. We have had to be cheerleaders for Christians long enough. Saying, oh, come on, somebody. I wish somebody would praise the Lord. I mean, the things that us preachers do to try to get people excited about Jesus, it is absolutely insane. But I'm telling somebody today, it ought not be that way. We have fed ourselves long enough. Peter, get out there and find a lost sheep. They're the ones that are hungry. There's the ones that are starving to death. There's the ones that are on their way to hell. Quit fattening up yourself and go find that starving little sheep out there. Oh, it's so powerful, folks. I was having my meeting with my new class this morning in which I told them a little bit about vision. They probably think I'm psycho by now. Get five minutes along with me and they're like, oh my gosh, this guy's crazy. I told him, I said, there's vision going off in my head like the 4th of July. I said, I can see it. He said, pew, pew, pew. it's everywhere. But the one thing I told them this morning, I said, I just want you to think about this. If I could get every, I said, I always thought, if I could preach better, right, I could get more people to come to church. But I realize it ain't about me. If, if we could get, get, get a little better in our harmonies, just, just a little, let's tighten it up just a little bit. If we could get that just a little better, I think more people would come to, to hear that now. That, that's, 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 boy, they got that thing on target there. They always in harmony. Nobody ever goes off. They got it so tight and crisp. But I figured out that's not the answer. You're the answer. That's right, you. Who is you? Anybody in this building that says that they're a child of God, you. Anybody that says today that you are a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ, you are the answer. It is not for me to preach a better sermon. That ain't got nothing to do with it. It's about you. And I told them today, I said, can you imagine if everybody in the church that said they were a disciple would actually fulfill the great commission where Jesus said, you go out 
into the world. Let the signs follow you. You walk in authority and anointing. You heal the sick. You cast out devils. You even raise the dead. He went as far as to say that. That's way too spiritual for us today, but I'm just saying he said it. And he said, and you go out, and if you're a disciple, then you go and you make disciples. I said, what would happen if everybody in the church would get that passion in their heart? I said, vision is going off like crazy. I said, I realize right now I'm sitting in this chair. My building's not big enough. Hold on. Some of you are getting it. It's coming. You'll get it in a minute. Sometimes it takes time to process things. Do you see what I'm trying to tell you? If the church of Jesus Christ would actually be the church of Jesus Christ and we would fall in love with Jesus and we got in such a state of worship I'm telling you citywide revival would break out evangelism would happen these seats would not be enough we would understand we've got to make a change we got to either have more services or something because this building is not big enough I wish that God's church would grab a hold of what I'm preaching today and let it just blow your mind that God could do greater things than you could ever dream possible that I could ever dream possible according to the power of the Holy Spirit that is working through the church. My God, somebody give him praise. All right, all right. I'm moving on. Number one, when we worship, the lost begin to get saved. Now, I want to keep this very simple again. Keep it simple. Go after the lost. How do we do that? Just start worshiping like Jesus did. And when we worship... The lost are attracted and the lost begin to get saved. It sounds too simple, but it is really that simple. We are to love all sheep. Worshippers love people. And we need a church, I'm telling you more than ever, that absolutely loves people. We need, listen, that is the most important thing. Paul told us that you can have tongues and your tongues will fail. You can try to prophesy and your prophecies may fail. But let me tell you, if you don't have love, everything you do is a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. There's nothing greater than love. Faith, hope, charity, or love. What abides? Charity or love. That's it. It's a, the dominant thing. When we think about faith, we think about Abraham. When we think about the Old Testament, we think about the Ten Commandments. We think about Brother Moses. When we think about miracles and people that could prophesy, we can't help but open our Bible and go to the book of Kings and read about Elijah and his predecessor, Elisha, and their powerful ministries. But when we think about worship, we have to think about a little shepherd boy with a little harp. And his name is David. He, I have a sermon I preach on this. It's called No Text. I didn't even title it. But I preached about David and his correlation with worship. It was one of the first sermons probably I preached within the first couple months of being here. I may preach it again because I just enjoy it that much. But David literally is the embodiment of worship. God wanted us to see through David's life what worship looked like. The Bible says that David was a musician. He's a singer who had a heart after God. David knew how to worship. 
relationship. A matter of fact, David was God's song and dance man. That's right. You read your Bible. You read about the Ark of the Covenant when it's coming in. And do you recall what happened? The Bible said David had on the ephod. And the Bible said that he started dancing before the Lord with all his might. The royal robe fell off of him. I better not do that or my microphone's going to fall off. I still got it. Don't y'all worry. I'm in control. There we go. He danced off the royal ephod. He gets home. His wife, Michael, which is Saul's daughter, looks at him and says, The king made himself a fool today. He went out there and danced and showed himself to all the women of the town. He danced off his clothes. All he's got on, I guess, is his underclothes. But he literally danced, danced that hard. Some of you have no idea that kind of worship. My best friend used to roll on the floor. Some of you, y'all don't know Pentecostal. You've been in my home church when I was a boy. We knew what Pentecostal was all about, bless God. My best friend used to roll on the floor. I remember one time he was shouting and he kicked his shoe off. Somebody dodged it. I thought about David. He danced his clothes off. I've seen my best friend shout his shirt out, shirt tail coming out, kicking his shoes off without his feet, glasses everywhere. I won't ever forget it. I'm telling you. Boy, you talking about dancing before the Lord with all your might. David was God's song and dance man, but Michael envied him in her heart. She did not like his worship. She had a problem with his worship. She was a tool of the enemy trying to dampen the spirit of worship that was on the man of God. But do you know what God said to her? Because you don't love worship And because you've talked against the man of God for worshiping You will not bear any children You will be childless That was the prophecy that came over Michael And do you know she never had a child The rest of her life She died with a barren womb I want somebody to hear what I'm telling you today There is a correlation in worship and evangelism Because a church that does not worship Will not bear any children Let that not be the curse of this church Or the curse to the next generation Let us lift hold holy hands and praise him again and again with a hallelujah because God is worthy and children will be born. We will not be a barren church. We will not be a Michael. We will not allow that spirit of rigor mortis to set in. We will worship our God. He's worthy. So when I look at David, he's one of the most prominent characters in the Old Testament. He was mentioned more some say around 11, I didn't realize this, I was studying, around 11 to 1,200 times in the Bible that the name David is mentioned. There's a reason for that. He embodies worship. It's what he represents. When you look up the name Abraham, you know how many times Abraham, the father of many nations, is mentioned? About 300. Four times the amount God mentioned this man, David. To put it into perspective, if David was mentioned 1,200 times, Jesus' name was only mentioned around 1,500. You see it? Now, if you look up God, God was mentioned about 4,500 times. But there is a reason for this. The number one characteristic of David's life is that he was a worshiper. He wrote most of the book of Psalms. He wrote songs to God. He was that musician that wrote to God. I believe we need to understand something else. I was reading and found this in 1 Chronicles 23, 5. That David made instruments too. 
He was not only an instrument player, he was an instrument maker. Did you realize that? See, originally in the Old Testament, there is one way that they worship. There is one instrument. It is not the drums, it is not the bass, it is not the guitar. It is called a ram's horn. And they blow it. If I had one, I'd try. I'd probably faint on the stage, but still. You'd have got entertainment at least. And they blow that ram's horn. And when they blew that ram's horn, everybody knew it's time to worship. And they get the shouting and they get the praise and they get the dancing. They'd have a time in the Lord because the ram horn had blown. They'd blow that thing. Everybody starts worship. There was a sound, that was the sound of worship in that era, in that time. But then 1 Chronicles 23 5 tells us that there were 4,000 worshipers. And the Bible said that instruments were given to all of those 4,000 worshipers. And David said that he was the one that actually made all the instruments that they would worship with. A man, his whole life, worship, worship, worship. Now, I want you to understand this. In other words, the sound of worship in the tabernacle of David is not going to sound like the ram's horn in Moses' church. I want to say it again. The sound of worship in the tabernacle or church of David is not going to sound like the worship in Moses. There is going to be a different sound. It is a new kind of worship. I'm going to get creative and I'm even going to going to make the instruments for worship. Man, I feel like I could preach today. Y'all may not be feeling it like I do. I feel like I could preach an hour and a half. I promise you I'm not, but I feel like I could, and I typically don't feel this way. Whew. Do y'all remember the church worship wars in the 90s going into 2000s? You remember when Grandma heard how great is our God for the first time, and you thought the world had come to an end? We sing that song now. Well, that kind of sounds like Amazing Grace. Uh-uh. Grandma wasn't having it because it didn't come out the church hymnal, and she would not have that. It did not come out of the songs that Horace wrote to the church of God. God bless you, Horace, in heaven. Rest his soul in peace. Great man of God wrote great songs. David did too. But what God was trying to say to us during that time is you need to quit having these worship wars. I want to tell you something. I was watching a program the other day. I don't know why I got on it. I was on Facebook. It must have just came up and, and, and one of those reels or something. I started watching it. And they, these boys walk around on stage and they jumping like this and they, oh my Jesus, I love me. My. I'm like, what the? That was my response. What the? What is this? This is a wacky church. Holy Spirit says, wait a minute. Listen to the words. I said, oh, I guess I can bear with it a few minutes. And I start listening to the words. I'm like, hmm, that's pretty good. I could preach that line right there. Oh, man, that's evangelist stuff right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I find myself kind of nodding my head saying, oh, man. One time I went, hallelujah. He was rapping away for his Jesus. Now, I want to tell you something. It may not be my favorite thing. I kind of enjoyed it, actually. It was a pretty good one, to be honest with you. But it's not my favorite. I don't sit in my car. If you get in my car, you ain't going to hear somebody rapping about Jesus. That's just not my, my style. But let me tell you something that God taught me. He taught me this a long time ago and taught me this just the other week and reminded me. It doesn't matter what it sounds like as long as it is worshiping and glorifying the name of Jesus Christ. Let this generation. 
generation rap about me, if this generation wants to rap about me, they're still praising the same Jesus. Oh, I wish somebody would shout hallelujah. What I'm telling you is when David got the worshiping, it did not sound anything like Moses. But my God, was the worship great? It's the same for the church today. All I'm worried about is lift up the name of Jesus and people will come to him. All right. Somebody shout hallelujah. Thank you, baby. <laughs> Jesus understood the connection between worship and evangelism. I'm going to hurry through this. When we worship, it is easier to win people to Christ. I'm not just talking about in church. I'm talking every aspect of our life. Living a lifestyle of worship. The things that I do and say honor God. Do you want to prosper as your soul prospers? Do you want the blessing of God on your home? Do you want the blessing of God on your finances? Do you want the blessing of God on your marriage? You need to be a worshiper. It is no coincidence that the most prosperous king that we read about in the Bible. It came under this guy by the name of David. God blessed him greatly. Even blessed him in order to give Solomon such a great temple. He helped prepare the way for Solomon. He used a lot of his time giving God glory, honor, and praise. It is connected. And King David did that despite his many sins. And he had a lot of them, folks. But today I don't remember David for his sins. Today I remember David as a man after God's own How do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? I was probably about six years old, five, six years old. Mama sat about the one, two, three, about the, uh, maybe in the fourth pew, third or fourth pew in our church. And we'd get to worshiping God, especially on a sometimes Sunday night, sometimes it was on a Thursday night when we had church. And we'd get to worshiping God, it would be so long. And Mama would say, son, just... Just get her in the pew and go to sleep. There was this lady named Bernice Waters. Yeah. And I remember I'd be trying to go to sleep and I'd hear, we had them old wood floors and I'd hear something going, I'd say, what the world? And I look under, I know it is, it's Bernice. All Bernice is doing is just worshiping God. That's it, that's all. She just kind of dances across the floor. She's too old to jump too high. Dances, I watch her in the pew. I remember her for that. There was a woman that was named Sister Leviner, Johnny B. Leviner. And that little lady, she worshiped God so much. That woman, she, she was kind of like the Apostle Paul. I speak in tongues more than you all. You give around that woman, you be doing a grocery list, she be speaking in tongues. Woo, hallelujah. I love the new yogurt. I mean, I'm just telling you. But you know how I remember her? When she was dying, they called her on the phone, and when they called her on the phone, or she called the ambulance, rather, on the phone, and said, I think I'm having a heart attack, and they're like, we need to talk you through it, and the guy said, when she got up, when we got up, when we were trying to get there, so I don't know what this woman was doing, but said she just started speaking in tongues, and she was speaking in some kind of language, I don't know what it was, but she was speaking in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Ghost, and God took her home right there on the phone. How are you going to be remembered? Well, I'm going to tell you something. If I'm going to be remembered, I want to be like David. I want to be that guy that was a crazy worshiper for Jesus Christ. 
Go to the piano, Susan. I'm closing. The longest praise and worship meeting was said, some say, to last 300 years in a place called Bangor, Ireland. 842 monks went into a chapel. They read the scriptures and sang chants to God day and night, nonstop, 24-7, for 300 years. A whole village grew up around them and raised up around those worshiping monks. The city was built. The Moravians began prayer and worship meetings in the year 1727. It is said in history that these meetings, worship meetings, would last for 100 years. Praise and worship would go on for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They became some of the greatest evangelists of that era to the church with their worship. So much so that a young man one day walked in. His name is John Wesley. Because he said he wanted to see the people worshiping. He had heard about it. He wanted to see it for himself. Little John came and sat at the back, watched them worship. Conviction got a hold to him, touched him. He got saved. He caught on fire and became one of the greatest preachers the world has ever known. A matter of fact, he started the Methodist denomination that's still around today. Acts chapter 15, 16. One of the sign of the last days, God said, I am going to restore the tabernacle of David. The tabernacle of worship has been broken down. It has fallen down. But in Acts, God is making a prophetic declaration that He is going to restore the places of worship. I want people to worship me like David did, with lifted hands, with musical instruments, with joy and rejoicing, and then you will reach the lost. God said the time is coming to this little lady. And now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit. I want to tell somebody that just like bell-bottom jeans, I am prophesying over us that worship is coming back in style and that the church is about to bring it back, baby. And then finally in closing, we read the story of Job. I know I'm going over today, but y'all just going to have to deal with me one Sunday. The Bible said there was a day when the sons of God, our angels, came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them to present himself to the Lord. The devil went to accuse Job before the throne of God. The devil and his demons are constantly filling the throne rooms with accusation. Job serves you because he's blessed. If Job wasn't so blessed, he wouldn't serve you. Anybody know the story? When he lost everything, I'll quote King James Version, he fell to the ground and he worshipped. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that powerful? I would hate to think that the devil is more determined to be in God's presence to accuse me than I am to be in God's presence to worship him. If the devil can have an accusing spirit on him, 24-7 before the throne of God. Then my goodness, all the children of God have a continual spirit of worship on us because we are forgiven of everything that He accuses us of. To 
accuse us means to discredit us like a lawyer. Make the jury believe this man is guilty. But Satan forgets that all of the things that he's accusing me of, I've already talked to Jesus about them. And they are underneath the blood of Christ. You will not stop my worship. You will not shut my mouth. I'm going to lift my hands again. And I'm going to give God glory one more time. Let's stand. Let's stand. I'm done. I, I'm done. Today we need a proclamation. Devil, if you are going to accuse me before the throne day and night, then I am going to worship God before His throne day and night. Hallelujah. I do not even have to be in church. I'm going to worship Him in my car. I'm going to worship Him in my house. I'm going to worship Him in my yard. I'm going to worship Him when I'm in the back breaking the leaves in the woods. I am going to worship God at the ball. It's a lifestyle, folks. It's worship evangelism. It's a new spirit of worship. And people are going to get saved. The city is going to come. And God is going to be the one that gets all the glory for the good things that He has done. Can we praise Him today? Oh, thank you, Jesus. As always, this altar is open. Beth, I want you to sing a little bit of that. So I throw up my hands. Praise you again and again. Because all that I have is a hallelujah. Oh, come on, somebody.
should have added an Aubrey, and then we have Ben Hooper, Dodie Hooper, we've got Lincoln, Maverick, we got Zach and Taylor, Kane and Emma are here with them, and then we got Anthony, all right, see these guys are good, see typically, <laughs> typically I'm the one that goes down there, who led the way up, it was you one Sign this guy for something, I'm telling you right now. That's what we need. That's leadership. It's like we're going to the stage. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Today we've come to bless these guys and to welcome them to the church. As you know, our foyer's not that big. If somebody could catch vision and get a hammer, and let's just tear that wall out and put about a 30 more foot out there. Hallelujah, somebody, yeah. We'd have a bigger space. I might could even drink coffee before I come in the door. But anyhow, that's beside the point. That's not the driving force. But since we're kind of limited in space, these guys are going to be wandering around. But just if you can get to shake their hand, tell them you're so glad to have them a part of our church today. Amen. I'm going to pray a prayer. But Father, I thank you for these members today. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to fill their lives. I am praying that what I preach today would, oh God, that it would grip them from their very head to their feet. Everything about what we preach today. Let worship, let them become the embodiment of worship. We send them out, Father. We, they are disciples of yours, so we send them out. Let them go and make disciples. Let the passion of God burn in them in such a way that they'll go out and say, hey man, you've got to come here. You've got to be a part of what God's doing. There's worshipers in the house. Come and see that worship and the lost will be saved. This is what your word says. This is what we claim. Today we bless them and we pray, Father, not only that they would be an encouragement in our church, but we pray of our congregation that we too would be a blessing and a help and a strength and an encouragement to them as well. We're a family. Together we make up this beautiful thing we call the kingdom of God. Thank you for letting us be a part of it. In the name of Jesus. For every kid going back to school, run. Run to the front right now. I'm going to bless you. Every kid, run. I'm going to bless you. Keep on playing till your fingers get rigor mortis. That's all I could come up with. These kids are going back to school. When do they start? Is it? Is it? Monday, Tuesday? Tuesday. All right, guys, y'all ready? Everybody ready to go back to school? Yeah? No? You, you ready to quit? School's everything to this kid. It's life. All right, buddy. Hey, I'll whisper. Hey, man, I'll whisper. These guys here, man, it's loud up here. This is great. All ages. Here we go. All ages. Come on. Right here, right here. She's leaving me. 
Our guys, just stretch your hand this way. Stretch your hand this way. Father, we pray for our kids, even those that aren't here right now around the altar. We pray for every one of them that you would empower them. We pray for a Holy Ghost anointing, God. This is Gap Hill as well. Even though they may be younger than, than adulthood, but Father, right now in the name of Jesus, let the light of Jesus shine through them. Let their school know that Jesus is living in them. Let them talk like Jesus. Let them walk like Jesus. Anoint them. They too can win their community. They too can win their friends for Jesus Christ. They too can invite them to come to their church. They're just as vital to this body as anyone. Anoint them. Empower them in Jesus' name. Let them do well. Somebody shout amen. God bless everybody today. We love you. Don't forget to get your shirt on the way out. Your shirts are out there. Jennifer's got them.